Hi, I'm Josh Ledgard, and welcome to the On Growth Podcast from Kickoff Labs. My goal with this podcast is to help you grow sustainable businesses through the stories of our customers and our team. This week, we're sharing an interview with Mush Tavmasian. Mush is the founder of Zenis, and they're in the middle of their launch campaign on Kickoff Labs. So far, with $0 spent on ads, the Kickoff Labs campaign has collected over 25,000 email addresses at a 33% conversion rate with a 60% viral boost. That means people are excited about Zenis, and they're telling their friends about it using the Kickoff Labs referral links. In this interview, we'll dig into exactly how they've incentivized that sort of sharing. The interview will also cover the hidden benefits of building a large waitlist early on while you're working on your product. Finally, you're going to love the story about how he got his first job by showing up to interview for a position he was entirely unqualified for and telling them exactly how he could help. Be sure to check out the notes for this episode on our site because we've included a ton of images used, email copy, and everything you need to recreate their success. Remember, if you enjoy this episode, subscribe to the Kickoff Labs on Growth Podcasts in Apple or your favorite podcast client. Write us a review and send any feedback to josh at kickofflabs.com. Also, if you want to go big with your idea, don't forget to sign up at kickofflabs.com to start building your audience today. On to the show. All right, we are live, and I am here with Mush, and his product is Zenis. And Mush, before we get into the product, tell me a little bit about your background and how you got to this point where you're working on this product launch. Yeah, uh, pleasure, Josh. Well, I guess a, a bit about me. I was at the right time, at the right place, at the beginning of, of the decade of you know, 2000, when um, online trading went digital. So I guess it was the beginning of, you know, this fintech era that has touched on everybody's life. And um, that journey, I started in the in the online trading space, brokerage, currency trading, derivatives, futures. And I saw and led a lot of the, you know, key developments that have you know, made life easier for millennials and pretty much, you know, everyone's society that pro- propagated around the world. I started my career in California, uh, San Diego, then San Francisco and Orange County. But then with changes of regulation. And what did you start doing? Like, what were you, what, what was your role when you started working? It's actually pretty funny. I, I showed up at this, uh, this brokerage house as, uh, while I was still in school. Uh, and I showed up to this job interview for a research analyst, I believe. And, you know, they were like, uh, do you have a degree? And I said, no. They said, do you have experience in this? I said, no. <laughs> Do you, can you work full time? I said, no, I'm in school. And, <laughs> and the CEO was, you know, what are you doing here? You know, this is essentially, this job is not for you. Thank you. Goodbye. So I went home and, you know, kind of, I had done my research. I wrote a nice thank you email to, um, to the CEO saying, you know, whatever, thank you for the opportunity, looking forward, blah, blah, blah. But then I, I added my two cents. I said, you know, from what I understand, you're an online brokerage and, uh, your clients are all over the world and don't get me wrong, but you know, your website isn't really uh, user friendly. It seems like a little kid made it. <laughs> so I immediately get a reply back saying, Hey, can you come back tomorrow? And you know, we want to talk further to you. And you know, I guess that was the beginning because then the questions are, you know, can you figure this out? If we show you, you know, this competitor in a different part of the world, can you figure out how they're doing that? You know, yeah. we have a challenge. Can you, can you solve it? 
And what dawned on to me is was that um, these were 20, 30 year experienced professionals, you know, that have that had seen, you know, from the stock floor traders in the in the kind of the way the exchanges were in the old days, um, all the way to moving, you know, big amounts of money internationally and whatnot, you know, in, in their um, respective careers. But technology was so new to them. And it was so difficult for them to understand. Mm-hmm. For it was the opposite. You know, I was a student studying finance and business and, and um, economics at school in San Francisco. And I was born with technology and around technology. So even though I didn't know exactly, you know, how they used to do things, I knew what they where they wanted to get to. And I knew what's available, you know, with modern technology yep. and to source it. So it was pretty easy for me to put the two together. And, uh, you know, within pretty much six months, I went from being, you know, this intern that didn't qualify for the for their lowest level job to the guy that, you know, the whole company depended on. And, you know, from there on, I moved on to other shops until I eventually created my own um, group of uh, broker dealers in the U.S. We expanded to Europe. We got regulated in seven countries. We serviced institutions, hedge funds, all the way down to individual traders from over 100 countries. And um, by the end of 2017, I essentially I went into a joint venture with um, some previous colleagues from the industry and uh, had an exit into um, a consortium of investors from the Middle East, a Saudi family office that bought my group of companies, allowing me to move on and start on this new venture. So I, I love that story early early on. So you showed up for a job that, I mean, on paper, you were not qualified for. <laughs> and uh, so what was it about you that that made you show up? I mean, you knew that you had a sense of like, here's, I knew, you knew innately that you could help them, right? Yeah, I mean, for me, I've always been an entrepreneur, you know, since yep. early on, since, you know, my, I, I guess when I was like 10, 12, I was already doing, you know, websites and doing uh, the early days of affiliate and e-commerce and then the digital marketing. So combining that with my education, I actually felt that what they're teaching me is already outdated. You know, it was a very particular, you know, couple of years where the school system was teaching you something where in practice, Mm -hmm. you know, it's already outdated. And it was very evident that it was outdated. And, you know, I guess the ambitious person inside of me and, you know, the problem solver inside of me, um, I ended up at this brokerage and they saw the spark yep. and gave me the opportunity, yep. which you know, we both benefited both sides. Yeah. You, you showed up, which a lot of people are scared to do in the first place in that situation. They wouldn't, they wouldn't put themselves out there for a position they didn't think they were, you know, super qualified for. And then you were honest in terms of giving them feedback about, uh, about things. And I think that so few people are honest in those situations about, uh, about how you could help and the situation that they're in. So they probably respected that a lot. I get the sense from their story. Um, so now you've led us up to, uh, to Zenus. Uh, so tell us about the idea. So tell us about the product, uh, what it is, uh, and what your goals are. Yeah. So in the second half of that story where we're, um, you know, online brokerage servicing all these clients that were using uh, their phones, tablets, their computers to trade uh, billions and billions of dollars every day in foreign exchange. This is the world's Mm -hmm. biggest uh, market. It's 24 hours. It does about, I don't know, five, six trillion a day in transactional volume. So we were a key provider in that space. Um, I realized that 
the world is extremely fragmented when it comes to access to financial services. A thousand dollars in the hands of an American in you know in New York buys him a lot more than the same thousand dollars in U.S. dollar terms in the hands of somebody in a third world country. Mm-hmm. A lot of you know it, it's it's a it would take a long conversation to get to to the root cause of it, but the reality today, even today, is that, that there's a lot of fragmentation, there's a lot of inequality in access to financial services, right? You know, mm-hmm. this labeled as cross-border uh, trading, payment services, cross-border um, transactions, um, and uh, this issue or this need or this challenge is, is further propagated within our t- today's society, right? Digital marketing is everywhere. Social networks are everywhere. So mm-hmm. somebody, uh, you know, let's say in India can be doing marketing for an online e-commerce shop that runs on Shopify that's marketed to people sitting in Europe. Mm-hmm. And then they use PayPal to get paid. And then somehow they need to access the money that's in PayPal to spend it in their own country, you know, yep. to pay employees and whatnot. So we've become a very connected world, but this challenge still exists because, the, in my opinion, the core of this problem is the entity that's a bank, what we know of what a bank is, it's a very old concept of a local lender. Yep. Right. The job of the original uh, need for a bank was to take money from one person and lend it to your neighbor. In today's today's society, there's been a lot more things put on banks, obligations, you know, trading and uh, I don't know, all kinds of loans, cross-border issues and whatnot. Then a lot of banks have challenged, have struggled to get there. Part of it is digital transformation, which is, you know, a key trending keyword, I guess it's a buzzword in the last few years, because every bank in every country is going through this digital transformation, which is to reinvent, reinvent themselves and modernize their technology for today's society. But at the same time, you know, banks have a lot of, you know, incumbent tech, their old business models. It's, it's like pieced together over decades and decades. So it's very hard for that institution to, to reinvent itself. But banking is also one of the most regulated businesses you can get into. The barrier of entry to actually get a regulator to approve the shareholders of the bank, the management of the bank, the business model of the bank, Mm -hmm. the amount of money required to to get to to all of this, and the amount of time that it takes to, to, to get this set up, it's very difficult. And this has kind of created a new wave, which is called challenger banking in a lot of parts of the world. Europe and UK are kind of uh, leaders that have managed to, to, I guess, expand the regulation to allow newer business models. Mm -hmm. And essentially what a challenger bank is looking to do is it's a very modern front end, but it's based on a traditional bank. It's piggyback Mm -hmm. business model. Yep. So where they are able to solve the front end of the problem, right? You know, have a much more appealing interface, whether it's for millennials or, or today's society, have all the cool features be, be uh, you know, adapted to every type of mobile device there is, whether it's the yep. watch or the phone and things like that. It's only the first leg of the journey. They yep. still have to depend on the deposit taker, which is the traditional banking institution, which in my opinion is the source of this, problem, right? This limitation of transacting cross, uh, cross border. 
So what I wanted to do is, is essentially to find a solution to these problems. And I researched every major regulation there exists from UK to Europe to all the money centers, Australia, Singapore, Hong Kong, uh, you know, whatever, US and what, and uh, all the offshore jurisdictions. And essentially found my solution in Puerto Rico, which is very interesting because Puerto Rico, a lot of people you know, aren't very aware of the, the structure. It's a U.S. territory. Yep. Um, it's not an independent country. Puerto Ricans um, are U.S. passport holders. And Puerto Rico does not have a central bank. It does not have its own currency or its borders. Right. It's just like a state of the U.S. from, from that perspective. Yeah. But being a territory, it has its own kind of unique flavor. It has to follow federal regulations, but it has a, a local governmental entity tasked with enforcing U.S. federal rules. Mm -hmm. So in here, I found regulation that allows me to, from one bank, essentially service U.S. clients in any U.S. state, but at the same time, international clients from any non-sanctioned country. Mm -hmm. And essentially for me, this is not new because a brokerage, that's what brokers are able to do. E-Trade is able to take from one entity, their US E-Trade accounts. They yep. can open customers from China or from um, Australia or from the US. Mm -hmm. Same goes for Robinhood. But banks traditionally have never been able to do this. In Europe, for example, uh, you need to have a residency permit or a, or a job offer to be able to open a bank account in a European bank. So if you're a foreigner traveling there on holiday, no bank will give you an account. Mm -hmm. In the US, it's a bit more easier because if you show up physically into a, let's say a Wells Fargo or a JP Morgan branch in the US and bring your foreign identification and foreign proof of address and whatnot, most likely you will be able to open an account. Yeah. But my solution is, you know, is essentially, uh, something that's never been done in the world. We're calling ourselves the first U.S. bank that allows any foreigner to open an account, a U.S. bank account, remotely. So imagine somebody sitting in Argentina or in China or in India or in Europe can download our app or go through our website and within a few minutes provide us all the required information needed for us to meet U.S. Mm -hmm. requirements and for us to be able to remotely confirm their identity, make sure that you know all the sanctions and checks, everything we, we yeah. like, bank is required to, to check, that technology has existed for a while now. I mean, we haven't yeah. reinvented the wheel here. We've just done a very complicated integration job to facilitate yeah. this. But basically what we're doing is um, allowing anybody in the world to get a U.S. bank account. And by that, in our in our eyes, we're kind of democratizing access to financial services. So let's put this in, in sort of real terms. So how can this help me in this situation? So we have, uh, let's say we have a contractor, um, for example, in the European Union today who has an account in the European Union. Um, and we have a U.S. bank account uh, with, a, with a larger U.S. bank. And we need to pay them for work that they do. How would your solution help in that scenario for either side? So in your example, I mean, you're a U.S. person, a U.S. company, and you have access to abundant choice of safe, secure, advanced banks, mm -hmm. first world banks. 
but in order to pay your your contractor, if it's in Europe or you know, let's say a third world country, you're going to have to find a way to send them this money. Yeah. Today, so today we do like a wire transfer, which is wire really cumber, cumbersome and costly. Because a Venmo, a Zelle, a, you know, real-time transfer method that exists within the country of the U.S. does not expand internationally. Yeah. And your bank will not open an account for this foreign individual either. So you can yep. do a quick, you know, peer-to-peer transfer. Yep. So it's a wire transfer. There is a fee. It takes time. And yep. depending who the receiving party is, it may get even more difficult for them. Yeah, and it's been held up a couple times, the payment. So it's, it's you know, she's had to go in and, and prove who she is again to her bank and why she's getting the transfer. And um, there's been some complications. So you're saying because in this case, if both of us parties had uh, a uh, Zenus account that we would uh, we'd just be able to instantly transfer as if they were a, a U.S. contractor that we're doing transfers with. Peer to beer, real time yeah. immediately. No, that's that's amazing. It'd be so much cheaper and less uh, less time consuming. So, where are you guys in terms of getting this idea out the door? So, we'd like to consider that we've already tackled the most difficult uh, milestones of our business model. So, we have our core team. We have a banking license. We've activated our business our banking license, which means that the regulators have you know have verified that we can do what we're claiming we can do and we have the right people and the right capital and the right infrastructure to support that from US banking perspective we've just gone into a beta testing and internal testing of our technology so we're expecting to do that throughout January and in February maybe do a friends and family so we can test mm-hmm. our model across various countries yep and after that we are planning to go live basically to the public and the first audience that's going to be, to to be given a chance to open an account are the leads that we have on our waiting list um that we've been accumulating and nurturing using the great technology that kickoff labs provides so so let's talk about that that waitlist campaign so you're running a waitlist campaign on our product kickoff labs um that's obviously how i found out what you guys uh, what you guys were doing and, and heard about you in the first place um what's been the best part of that for you so far so initially we started um you know we scratched our head and said you know how can we tackle this you know how can we let the world know that what we're doing is here right and we mm-hmm. we already knew that what we're first to the market and we know that there's going to be a lot of questions about you know is this legal we really do it you know there's always suspicions when when you do when you're changing paradigms especially in something so sensitive as banking yep you're tasked on safe uh, keeping somebody else's money it's a fiduciary duty so we set out to design basically we said let's test the appetite you know we think and our research has shown that there's a lot of demand for this in the world uh, the freelancer market, it's a multi-billion dollar opportunity. The, you know, the cross-border remittance is a multi-billion dollar or trillion dollar opportunity. Yeah. And, you know, in my personal experience, all these broker dealers servicing millions of customers have this same exact problem. How do we facilitate deposits and withdrawals for our clients? So we built a nice website. We had seen and, you know, kind of used the waitlist campaign methods, you know, that, for example, Robinhood had practiced and, you know, the Dollar Shape Club 
done. And, you know, this kind of cool new brands have managed to to create FOMO and be a, uh, uh, you know, build up this, this desire. So we said, you know, it, probably the best way for us to go forward, both from cost efficiency perspective, because we're not ready to sell a product. So why spend money on marketing? Let's just put something out there and see what the organic demand is. So mm-hmm. we picked um, this waitlist campaign structure that Kickoff Labs, Labs offers us, created a one-page, you know, uh, website. Yep. Very simple. It, it has a minute-long video, like a commercial of what we do. Yep. And I guess it just says the basic, you know, we're a U.S. bank and yep. we're the first U.S. bank and we let anybody in the world open a U.S. bank account. And that's it. We just published it. We did, you know, I did, I think, a LinkedIn post and we did uh, a Facebook post and an Instagram post and a Twitter post. And that's it. Yep. And we saw this huge interest from all over the world. I think we have over 100 countries right now signed mm-hmm. up uh, to, our, to our wait list. And, you know, to date, I think we've spent almost no money. We've just done, you know, the basics to set up the accounts and, you know, to, to do the SEO work, but we're not buying traffic. And we've let the kind of this organic, this message propagate throughout the world organically. Yeah. And so I'm not going to share, I won't share the actual, some actual numbers, but if you don't mind, I was going to say what's impressive about your campaign from Kickoff Labs is the waitlist me- mechanics uh, seem to be working really well. So you've got about 60% of your leads are coming in as being referred from somebody else. And so that's a, that's a great number. And to me, that is one of the indicators when people ask, you know, when I'm looking at a product and saying, you know, do you think my product has a market? And I say, well, are people telling other people about it <laughs> with, with the sharing links? And uh, in your case, they definitely are. You're getting a lot of traffic from those shares. You're getting a lot of uh, a high percentage of your leads, like I said, 60% from the shares. And you have a really good conversion rate. And so those are all three strong indicators. One thing I do want to talk about or ask you, and it's a question that comes up a lot from other customers. So this is where you might be able to help um, some other people listening to this. So your website, your one-page website does a great job explaining the basics. You're basically saying like, here is what the product is on your site. It literally says, Zenith makes it easy and safe for everyone to access, send, and receive and store money in the United States from any or in the world, which is the perfect elevator pitch to what you just explained. There's a button that says, join the wait list. When I do that, I get a little pop-up with it asking me to secure my spot in the waiting list and participate in exclusive promotions uh, while we approach our go-live date. Um, something I want to note about this, you don't give a specific date, which is where some people get themselves in trouble, um, and they don't make any specific promises on this page. They're just saying, like, you know, participate in exclusive promotions where you get on the, the go-live date. And then you are asking for three things on the form. And uh, some people go overboard on the form, but I think your three things are relevant. You're asking for nationality and you have a drop down, name and email. And presumably what's great about that is the nationality helps you determine like the different countries you need to make sure that you're working in. Or when you sign somebody up for a beta list, you might say, well, I only want to bring in people from this country first, right? So that information is useful for you guys in terms of planning your product. Yeah, yeah, correct. Yeah. Uh, so. so- Actually, the tools, you know, I'm, I'm very happy to, to talk about some of the tools and, and how it can help other businesses is the questions. First of all, what we ask is, you know, an email and a name is for us to be able to contact our customer, obviously. Yep. The nationality, it's a custom field we created mm-hmm. prompting the visitor to fill in this nationality. 
obviously yeah. they can lie in here. They can make up something, or you know, this may be where where they were born, but they live in a different country. Or it may be that you know, this is the country they live in, but their passport is from somewhere else. Mm -hmm. Then we rely on the tool that uh, Kickoff Labs provides us, which essentially stores the geolocation of the device used to fill this form. Yep. And we've seen some interesting statistics in there where, you know, there's somebody that's in one country, you know, that fills, for example, Germany in their, in their, uh, in the field. Yeah. But the country shows up as United States or in, or Mexico. Mm -hmm. And what's also interesting is we've had a lot of fan mail from our customers. You know, there's a customer service email that we have and through the various social channels, we've been getting feedback from these people that visit our website. And I'm happy to share, we we have around 25,000 uh, people on our waiting list. Yep. And, and again, this has been uh, fruits of organic growth. Um, like you said, 58, almost 60% of leads come from existing waitlist uh, uh, customers sharing their link. So, 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 so that's great for us. And this has given us a chance to communicate with our clients because we're still building our product. Not every client is going to qualify for a bank account. Yep. You know, there are sanctioned countries in the world that us as a U.S. financial institution, we cannot touch yep. Iran, for example. But at the same time, you know, our clients have given us a lot of new ideas on, you know, what we need to focus. Essentially, we're using this tool to figure out what is the low hanging fruit? What is our perfect demographic? Yep. Because, you know, as a bank, there's, you know, a million types of verticals that we can focus on. And yep. if you're a startup business... You're never going to be good at what you do if you spread. <laughs> yep. So, so, you know, we've basically used this a bit to, to communicate with our customers and see what, what, what they really need. And um, uh, let me see, what was your other um, question you touched on? While you're thinking about that, I want to ask you about the reward page um, because you're giving people rewards for sharing. And it's a common question to say, how did you come up with the rewards? Um, so I see you, what you have is, you know, they get one person referred, they get earlier access, um, potentially they get um, 10 points, they'll get a discount membership for the first year, so 50% off. And basically at 20, then you give them the whole first year off, it sounds like, uh, their membership. And so um, how did you come up for the, with the different reward levels there? Because that's a question people ask all the time, like, you know, what, what should I set for these things? Yeah, yeah, exactly. That's what I, I was meaning to talk about. So a bank traditionally makes money by lending, right? They take deposits, they collect mm -hmm. the deposits, and then they lend it out. Lending is not feasible when you're operating cross-border, right? It's very hard to justify and to follow all the, you know, all the uh, risk uh, matrix if I take money from Spain and lend it to somebody in, you know, in China. It's not sustainable. So our business model is to act as a full reserve bank, which means we have zero lending. We're essentially a bank that acts as a wallet to yep. hold customer deposits and allow them to make payments. Mm -hmm. And by cutting, you know, the biggest revenue generator of a bank, you know, we essentially need to substitute that with something. So to be able to survive, to be able to provide this innovative service, we've come up with a membership model. So a subscription-based business model. Mm -hmm. This means that to be able to apply or to have an account, we charge a monthly fee. Mm -hmm. This fee is not based on how much deposits you do, how much business we do, because again, we're trying to simplify, standardize, and democratize access to financial services. 
So what we're saying is that an individual customer is going to pay $50 per month. A simple business structure is going to pay $100 a month. So double that. And, you know, if you compare that, you know, if you do a quick comparison, $600 a year for an individual account is quite expensive for you, for example, as an American. But if you're a freelancer working, living in a third world country, most of your customers are in the U.S. or Europe. Imagine the power of being able to invoice these customers from a U.S. front end, from a U.S. bank. Oh, it'd be be way more attractive. I'd be more likely to hire that person and keep working with them. Exactly. And And then it reduces the cost of doing business because a lot of these companies have bills to pay. You know, now instead of doing international wire transfers, they can do ACHs. They can do free payments using Visa, Visa Direct. You know, they get a U.S.-issued Visa card, which is, you know, an amazing feature. So, you know, for a value approximately what an American Express Platinum costs, we're giving them access to a U.S. bank account, which they've never been able to have before. But at the same time, we do recognize that it's, it's expensive. And eventually, we're going to have to spend money to acquire customers. So yep. why not essentially help our initial traffic, help our leads, you know, the first people that discovered us by rewarding them for doing the marketing for us. So we've created a very easy to hit milestones um, where, you know, first when you sign up, you just get first, you know, access to this uh, on a waiting list because we do expect to be somewhat bottlenecked as we go live because, being a you know new bank, new technology, we're trying, we're going to try to scale in into full growth rather than just opening the floodgates. It's a sensible thing to do. Therefore, you know, people that are on our waiting list will get priority. Second of that is, you know, the people on our waiting list now are aware that they need to pay fifty dollars to see if they qualify for a bank account, and pay fifty dollars every month they want to have this bank account. Yep. So what we've done is real simple. Refer 50 people and it's free for life. You know, I think the statistics show that an average person has, what, 700 friends on social or something like that. I think that's the latest uh, stats. So 50 people, whether it's your actual friends and contacts or clients or business partners or Mm -hmm. just a random post on social networks, it helps us. Yep. It's, it's, uh, it's, It's operational tasks that we don't have to do. And a lot of times it's money we don't have to spend. So we're happy to to pass on those benefits to 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 the user that acts as an affiliate to us. Yeah, there's a couple of things you mentioned there that I wanted to highlight that I think work really well across all the different campaigns I see, which is one, uh, um, you made the goal the, you made the rewards easy to understand. So you're basically you basically it's one reward. It's how much of a discount are you getting on your membership um, for for this, and you scale it up. Um, and the levels you pick. So the second thing I mentioned, I wanted to mention was the levels you pick are fairly achievable. Um, and you're giving a good amount of value for those achievable levels. And that's, I think people are scared sometimes to do that, but they don't realize what you said is exactly true, which is that um, rather than you having to go and spend a ton of money on Google ads, they're saving you some of that cost because they're referring you these customers where you might have to spend a hundred to two hundred dollars to refer to get a customer to sign up ultimately via Google ads. Um, you're getting this from them potentially, you know, at a, at a much cheaper cost. So you're not paying a ton of money for all these additional leads. And so 
And this value in financial services actually goes up to around thousand or twelve hundred dollars, which is the cost to acquire a, a customer or a lead that converts into a customer. Um, it's you know, I would say that rule of thumb in financial services, you know, that's a that's fairly accurate. Yeah. So so for us, you know, uh, waiving fifty dollar income per month gets us another fifty customers, potential customers willing yep. or having to pay that. Yep. You at least you've at least made first contact with a fifty additional potential customers, which is a huge a huge leg up in terms of being able to market to them and advertise to them and keep them on an email list. So, what have you done? Have you done anything? I know you said you haven't spent. Uh, doesn't sound like you spent a, mo- a lot of money on advertising the campaign. So, have you sent out emails along the way to the people on the list so far? So we've used one of the one of the good features that you have, which is the the like a congratulatory automatic congratulations <laughs> we call it a reward level email when they, exactly. when they get a, a rewarding uh, level email so every time you you pass a milestone or you save further yep. we send a thank you email saying congratulations you've made it you've saved this much money or up to this yep. much money keep trying you can get you know more rewards and um that's great because i think the system has automatically sent I don't know, hundreds of thousands of emails or, uh, and the, let me read here. We have 75.9% opening rate of this email. Yeah. That's really impressive. It's amazing. Yeah. So, so yeah, so, you know, we're, we're pretty happy with the, with the, with the way this is going. And like I said, it's not only getting leads, but it's, creating this, uh, you know, gamifying it a bit, you know, creating uh, reasons for the customer to get in touch with us and learning from, you know, whatever they're wanting to get in touch with us for. And I wanted to call that earlier, earlier, because you mentioned it. One of my next questions is what's been the best part of using um, Kickoff Labs for this, uh, for this marketing challenge. And it sounds like um, you've gotten a lot of benefit out of being able to have contact with and back and forth with customers before you've launched your betas even. Yeah. And, you know, I can say that before I used to run uh, almost like an internal digital marketing agency in our company that had to do a lot of these tasks manually. Mm-hmm. You know, you have somebody has to code it, somebody has to execute it, somebody has to, you know, measure it. And Kickoff Lab- Labs have uh, has saved us a lot of overhead. You know, there's cool tools available, very easy for a non-technical person to configure and use. Thanks. I appreciate that. Um, so now... Um, I have, I have uh, five questions I like to ask. I call them the, the fast five questions. And so um, just sort of first thing that comes to mind, we don't need a lot of discussion on each of them, but uh, for you personally, how do you get in the work zone? Um, I'm a multitasker. I actually find that I, I focus more when I'm, when I'm dis- a bit distracted, slightly distracted. <laughs> so, you know, for me, work is 24 hours. I'm always thinking and brainstorming. Yeah. So I just need to be engaged. Like my brain needs to be engaged constantly. Uh, favorite vacation spot? Where do you go to relax? <sighs> travel. Any travel to any new place. I love exploring the world. That's a great answer. Um, favorite book or podcast? Lately, it's just been a lot of technical stuff, so I haven't had time to to do reading for pleasure. So mm-hmm. I'll answer that one. <laughs> um, something. So, so you mentioned a lot of technical stuff, things you have to learn. So, something you've learned in the last year. 
I've learned that it's uh, possible to change banking, that you can innovate. <laughs> Another good answer. So uh, find uh, someone you look up to, business or otherwise. My parents. You know, we were born in Soviet Armenia and, you know, they managed to get me all the way to, to the first world or U.S. and gave me the opportunities to, you know, to end up here as a founder and chairman of a bank. Uh, that's, uh, that's a great answer, too. Um, anything that, uh, that I should have asked you feel like uh, you miss, we missed out on talking about? Uh, or any advice for anybody else uh, looking to create their own wait list or get, do a, run a similar campaign that we haven't discussed? I mean, I think I would go with your, your first question was of, uh, you know, kind of this, uh, what made me do it? And whether you're doing a job or applying for a job or you're an entrepreneur, the first thing is to have self-confidence, to believe in yourself and to believe that you can do it. So it, it doesn't matter that it's never been done, like, you know, what I'm doing. Mm -hmm. Or it doesn't matter that on paper you're not qualified for the job. You know, you need to believe in yourself first before somebody else recognizes that. Yeah, I I think that's uh, I think that's very true. Um, I went to as one time I, before we started uh, this biz this business, uh, Kickoff Labs. I went to a startup uh, event, and there were a lot of people looking to become entrepreneurs mm -hmm. there. And it was one of the more powerful things. One of the the um, there's a guy who's a famous VC and he was there and I was talking to him for 10 minutes and I asked him for, I asked him for his advice after I'd kind of talked to him and pitched to him what I was doing. And he just, he just took a piece of paper and he wrote it, wrote a note on it. He passed it to me and he said, I'm just going to leave you with this. Um, and the, the note just said, I give you permission, do it. <laughs> like, and it was like, it's such a simple thing, but it's like, it's true because people don't give themselves enough permission to just say, you know, I'm going to do this um, or the yeah. confidence to do it. So uh, no, 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 definitely. And, you know, I can, I can respond that by another, you know, a, a similar VC thing that I got is that they said, look, we cannot invest in this because we're constrained into a very, you know, into yeah. a box. If you don't fit in this box, we cannot invest. But that doesn't mean that it's not profitable and it's not going to succeed. And he said, you know, ignore us, you know, maybe we're the ones who are going to, you know, be jealous that we didn't use that opportunity to invest in you. Yeah. So, you know, essentially, don't be afraid to follow the dream. <laughs> Absolutely. It's a, it's a great, great place to leave uh, to leave the interview. I appreciate uh, all of your time today. Um, and so um, anybody listening, if you've got any questions, how can uh, people reach out to you? Uh, I mean, the bank has all the typical social channels. Um, I'm very active. You know, it, it's a... Um, you know, I'm the founder and I'm basically involved in every aspect. I'm not a micromanager, but, you know, I need to see how things are developing. So I'm always reachable at this stage, you know, and then I'm very eager and happy to hear from uh, whether it's startup entrepreneurs to potential clients or business partners of ours. Great. So again, thanks for your time today and uh, have a uh, good rest of your week. Yeah, yeah. Thank you. Thanks for listening to today's interview. If you enjoy the On Growth podcast, please write us a review on Apple Podcasts and don't forget to hit that subscribe button. If you'd like to run your own viral campaign or set up a waitlist for your upcoming business like they did, check out kickofflabs.com. We can provide the landing pages, referral tracking, leaderboards, and reward level emails required to make your next product launch a complete success.